Jack, please, I'm only an elected podcast here. I can't make decisions by myself. The Nightmare Before Christmas is coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Zestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is myself. And a Merry Christmas to you, Tommy. Uh, Our Christmas Eve special, our end of the year special here. I haven't seen it. Uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I know we had floated this around as a Halloween movie. uh, And now we're floating. Now we're doing it as a Christmas movie. So on first watch, what do you think? Uh, it, it fits in both categories. Where you say it's more of, way more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie. Yeah, like um, outside yeah. of the first song, it's a Christmas movie. Um, yeah. From that point on, <laughs> you know, charming animated feet film that I just, you know, I guess my parents never picked up the VHS on it, and the, <laughs> you know, when you're you, kid, you that's clearly kind never of your that's kind of your range of like seeing movies is the ones that your parents pick up for them uh, pick up for you and uh this was not one of them that i had on tape uh clearly timmy never went through a goth phase is what we're learning tonight guys <laughs> yeah i didn't true <laughs> true yeah, yeah very true <laughs> very so. true i never went through a uh, goth phase but uh tommy uh end of the year uh maybe tell us some of the movies that you watched in the past week or so uh you know before uh before we get dive deeper into a nightmare before christmas yeah so um, i'm gonna talk about a movie that um i literally just watched right before we recorded um it's my favorite movie of all time sean the dead and uh i recently got on a 4k i got a 4k player recently um diving into that world and it's one of those things that like you know i've seen this movie like a probably like a hundred times at this point like probably close to it or something like that. But, you know, going from D- the DVD copy that I've been using, which is like, well, like 480p to be a technical nerd for a minute mm-hmm. and then going straight to 4K. I just noticed so much fucking shit throughout this movie that like I've seen a million times of like Shaun the Dead and Edgar Wright in general, I feel like is a director that just has so much shit going on in the background at all times. And he's a very visual stuff where like, you know, you he's a guy you watch this movie over and over and over again. You'll see new things. And again, on this 4K restoration, I guess I'll so much different stuff right here in the background and like you know different audio cues audio tracks i couldn't hear beforehand so it was really just great to dive into a movie that i've seen countless times at this point <laughs> yeah i imagine that jump from 480p to to 4k is is just yeah, alone huge. It's just <laughs> yeah. huge alone yeah and like you know i i feel like streaming is kind of like 720p Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it looks better like I know they say 4k but the files are so compressed that even if it's like a 4k clarity it's nowhere near the same as like watching it on a disc uh, I've noticed that when I watch some of my blu-rays that I have uh, which are yeah, just it, 1080p like you can just you can see the difference yeah it, it's crazy it's one of those things that I mean like I remember um, I used to like not really care that much about like oh like I'll still watch it on DVD that I have I don't care but I remember like I try to watch um we did it um last year, uh, the Stephen King movie. Uh I had a copy of it on DVD. I fired up the DVD and immediately it was just like 
this picture quality is shit. I'm gonna go to HBO Max and actually see like the 4K or, or you know, 4K supposed. So it's just one of those things that you realize, holy shit, like picture quality actually matters a lot when it comes to this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It definitely matters, especially with something like Shaun of the Dead, which I think I've only watched with you once. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked it. I just haven't dove, dove back into it. I watched Jackass number two. Nice. And yeah, I never I seen it. I don't. Have you ever seen any of the Jackasses? I have not seen a single Jackass movie. Maybe I, like a episode of the show. They're like the epitome of dudes rock. Like, it, yeah. it, like the movie is just a longer version of the of the show. It, it, you know, it doesn't try to like form a narrative or anything. It's just little sketches. But mm-hmm. there's just something to it about like it's just pure stunts and some stupidity in there as well. Um, and you know, off-brand humor toilet humor if you will um but there's just something admirable about the levels of degeneracy these guys put themselves through and like the pain tolerance that they all have and obviously all of them were on just a ton of drugs because that's how you, know, <laughs> that you definitely would help it. uh yeah. Bamar Jarrah is not doing too hot right now uh I'm he's sure doing he's, better apparently he's, he's doing better apparently I, like I have a Bam Margera story that I probably shouldn't tell him, Mike, but um, I think I told you before. <laughs> what is it? I'll tell you off, Mike. <laughs> Don't do that to people. Just say it on Mike. Um, hold on a second. I'll, I'll text you real quick. <laughs> okay. We're just not going to tell the Bam Margera story then uh, that Tommy teased because for whatever reason, we can't we can't do that one. Um, but yeah, Jackass number two, hilarious. Uh, maybe we'll cover one of them. I, I don't know if there's a ton of meat off the bones to kind of like... We, we've realized that's like a problem of comedy sometimes. <laughs> and the, like, there's not even a story in this one. It's just stunts. Um, But Spike Jones is a huge producer of it, which I find interesting because like he has like really prolific and like deep features and then he's also like the producer of all the jackass movies and show and i think it's like a funny uh that's it's, it's crazy because like you know he's like really known for like meditative like fucked up movies or, or like you know just a very like mood vibe and then is also with the fucking insane hilarious fucking jackass shit yeah he he's he's known for that um yeah, you know what, Tommy, you sent me the story. It's it's not that great. Basically, there was just a mishap at the at one of the theaters. No, 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 no. no. The, the, uh, the, there's a guy who fucking contacted us said he was Bam's booking mate, uh, agent, and uh, he may have sent a deposit to him, and it turned out that he had no contact with Bam in years. Oh, so. there you go. Yeah. So Bam was working with some sh- shysters. I, I see there. Uh, I can't imagine why Bam cut his relationship with him at yeah. all. But on to a more cheery and pleasant note to round off our 2023 season. The Nightmare for Christmas. From Touchstone Pictures. T'was the night before Christmas, but in the land of Halloween, it was decided that this year something new would be seen. Surprised, aren't you? From Tim Burton, the director of Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, comes a motion picture experience unlike any other. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? 
Rated PG. Coming this month to a theater near you. So, Nightmare Before Christmas um, follows Jack Skellington, um, who I did not realize the the singing vocals were done by Danny Elfman because like I, I've heard like Halloween Town before, like the song, yeah. like this is like, how, yeah, yeah, this is Halloween, da, 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 yeah, 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 like I, you know, I'm very well aware about it. I feel like the image of him on the the mountain with the moon in the background while he's singing. It's yeah. like an iconic that's iconic at this point. Yeah. It's an iconic image of this film. Um but Tommy, so for you, what's your relationship with this movie? Because so gonna I, I feel you like, maybe saw this as a kid. I feel like the first time I saw this was like in high school or something, or maybe early college, like shockingly. Um I, I didn't dive too too deep into Tim Burton until like you know around like college or high school. Um, and you know, this is a movie though, I think that is just incredible. I mean, like the claymation style. Um, it's just hilarious that this is known as um Nightmare Before Christmas when he was not the guy who directed it at all. That was Henry Selleck. But like, you know, you see it in pop culture throughout the years. I mean, I remember like um um earlier this week when my coworkers sent me some like 94 video of like, you know, how the Grinch stole Christmas. It was like Phil Hartman explained how the show went on, and they had uh Tim Burton. And Danny Elfman on be like, the makers of The Nightmare Before Christmas are here to talk about The Grinch. And no mention of Henry Selleck so, uh, whatsoever. It says Tim Burton director. So immediately Henry Selleck just gets erased for this movie. Where um, <laughs> even though he was the one that ended up taking you know the brunt of it and everything like that. Tim Burton came up with like, you know, some character designs for Sally and maybe uh, Jack. But like, you know, Henry Selleck says that. He wasn't involved in a hands-on way, but his hand was in it. It was my job to make it look like a Tim Burton movie. which is not so different from my own films. And um, he was like, I don't want to take away from Tim, but he was not in San Francisco when we made it. He came up five times in two years and spent no more than eight or ten days in total on set. <laughs> and meanwhile, when you ask the average person on the street, who directed uh, Night Before Christmas? Christmas? They're going to say Tim Burton, because Tim Burton at this point, you know, he's coming off Batman, Batman Forever. Um, you know, this is him at returns. Like, the, the uh, returns. Actually... This is the peak of 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 Tim Burton's power in Hollywood. Yeah, so like of course every gonna... hands just hit, and this is yeah. a marketing technique. We're like, oh, he produced this. It's based on some poem he wrote. So you just put Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas, even though he really didn't have anything to do with with the production there. Um, yeah, for me, like the claymation style was really engaging and like. Mm. You got that creativity of it. Um, I think the biggest tell that this is not a Tim Burton movie is I, I, I didn't feel that like misfit of making a lost family mm. theme that, that like was true. And it goes like, back all, to, yeah. Like in all of his films. And like, I didn't think that theme was really there. I just thought this was like a clever way of joining two drastically different holidays together um and you know kind of telling the story of somebody who's trapped doing the same thing over and over again and wanting to do something new wanting to do something different and jack discovering um christmas christmas town um you know and that beautiful um that beautiful scene uh with this you know, with him singing and watching yeah. all the elves get everything ready, the kids playing with a snowball fire. So, 
as someone that like just saw this movie for the first time, I mean, how many of the songs were you aware of beforehand? Because I feel like Halloween, like this Halloween, this, you definitely that's, knew. That's the only one I knew. Yeah. Okay. So the other one that I feel like maybe has a lot of crossover potential would be um, the "What's This? What's This?" Because I feel like that gets referenced a lot in like you know, uh, you know, pop culture over the years and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The "What's This?" song, um, I felt like really stood out to me. Um, you know, I, I think another thing too, and and this is just something that comes with claymation movies that I've noticed because it takes so long to film a claymation movie because you have to move the characters and the world every frame. Uh, oh yeah, like Henry sucks that they pretty much did like seventy seconds a week. That's how much uh, like they were able to get on. It took them like three and a half years to make this movie. It was a painstakingly process. Apparently, Tim Burton, one of the reasons why he didn't direct this was like, uh, I didn't want to be involved with Claymation. That sounded like a lot. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. I mean, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous Claymation. It, like every it pays detail, off. Every yeah. frame, it, it pays off in the end result. Um, and just like the hand-staking labor behind it. Like you can tell this is a labor of love. Um, and everybody involved in the production uh you know had some sort of their creative energy put into this final vision here and making something like this work um and so for for me tommy i i liked it and i think my favorite part of it was the of the movie is when jack announces that halloween town will just take over christmas yeah um because it it, it, it Jack's intentions don't come from this negative place, I don't think, of like, we're going to just steal Christmas. It's like, no, 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 he wants to be Santa Claus. Like, he saw what Christmas Town is and wants that for his world. Like, he wants something new, something different. But he is, he is the, he's part of Halloween World and Halloween Town. And like, all he That's knows a lot is scary. Different. Yeah. And it's a lot different kind of world. And just like the whole build up to the sleigh ride and the, the Christmas um he's dropping off like shrunken heads as presents and stuff yeah like that. and like but like how <laughs> like the town is all chipping in and stuff like that was such a charming sequence yeah um that i really enjoyed um what for you like kind of stood out uh you know on this watch through versus your first couple of times watching this i feel one thing i really picked up on how it was like the troy brown nature of it in some ways where um i noticed that once it gets into the real world and it's like the scene of um you know, um, Jack like going around like on you know, the carriage and stuff like that, and like going house to house pretending to be Santa. Whenever it cuts to a parent, you don't see the parent's face whatsoever, or an adult. Like even when it's the cop on screen, the cop is obscured by some light. When it's the radio announcer, the radio announcer's face is cut off at right at the top, right there. So very much makes this feel much more fantastical in a way, um, mm -hmm. bringing down that Charlie Brown, like classic feel. This is why a point where this movie has entered the upper echelon of Christmas movies. I mean, unlike bad Santa, which we covered last week, um, for us at least, <laughs> you know, this movie, I feel like it's like brought up now with the ultimate classics. Like, you know, it's a wonderful yeah, life well, and all that. 2023 this year, the film was selected for preservation by the U S national film registry by the library of of Congress or being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Uh, a designation that I do not believe Bad Santa will ever achieve. <laughs> it uh, Well, you're also forgetting that it entered the Goth Hall of Fame in 1993 immediately. <laughs> the Goth like, Hall it, of Fame? 
You walk into Hot Topic and like it's just uh, half the merchandise it's right there. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Night it's before Christmas. Definitely a movie, a merchandise bonanza. Uh, my What's funny is like Disney like left this as a kind of like a stepchild in a way. Like when um, it's, it's funny t- now it's Touchstone. It's not Disney. Yeah, when you when you watch it now on Disney Plus, it immediately comes up with the big Disney logo and everything. Like that. Of course, but it originally did not come up with that. It was originally. Um, they were going to originally release as like a Walt Disney feature animation, but then they decided that this was going to be a touchstone, which is their adult-oriented banner, because the studio thought this film would be too dark and too scary for kids. And their biggest fear was like, and while it was kind of a stepchild project, was that they were afraid their core audience hated the film and not coming. And, you know, came out. It did okay at the time. It just had legs. It grew. This became a DVD classic, merchandise yeah. classic. And now it's at a point where it's one of the disney renaissance films yeah it's definitely considered amongst the disney renaissance films and it's interesting because you just think like disney theme parks they could just make like how does halloween town not have like its own section in one of the parks like it feels like a perfect like match made in heaven you know what i mean like if i'm putting on my like my business hat like like i see it there like did it have the popularity in the legs like it had a 24 million dollar budget it grossed over 100 million at the time which very good. well Aaron earned 50 million in the united states to be clear so it was like kind of a like moderate sleeper hit really mm-hmm. and like you know then uh this is one of those things that like this started happening when we were in like middle school where disney started releasing this film in 3d this is like a 06 07 08 09 um and just do that over and over again, like the three D one month only. Uh, oh yeah, I remember those? Yeah, Nightmare for Christmas. Um, and they did that even recently. Um, you know, it earned like fifteen million, ten million at the time. You know, every time this would it come back in theaters, it would just get higher and higher, and people would just love to see it again on the big screen. Uh, I mean, I was bummed I missed the most recent release, which was like a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It was a, I would, this would have been fun to see in the theaters. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about the 3D effect. Uh, I would have hoped they yeah, might have uh, left that one in the tank, you know? Like, I, I just don't feel like I need the, uh, the 3D. <laughs> Avatar the 3D was effect. 13 years ago. We're, we're, we're over 3D. <laughs> where we, well, not until Avatar 3 comes out in 2028. Or I feel like I'm the only person that did see Avatar 2 at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're faking the, the box office numbers on that one or not, but they might be. Uh, like, be. Avatar 2 was very visually pleasing, but Avatar 2 was, it's just like the weirdest highest grossing franchise i've ever seen that just has no like cultural stay you know it's, it's just weird in, in it, it, it is bizarre because like you know rewatching the first one fuck we're on our avatar tangent but forget the movie um so what do you think of oogie boogie um the villain of this movie he was well, my I favorite think. character i love oogie boogie <laughs> yeah what oogie a great boogie creature was... design it's like a bag of fleas or ever a bag of bugs bag of bugs <laughs> but you don't realize that he's like all bugs and just his voice was so menacing and yeah. his songs were just so like he had great villain songs that's the best part of any disney movie usually is the, the villain song <laughs> oh yeah easily it's always the villain songs and you know the kidnap the sandy claws um oh i love that yeah kidnap and then the oogie, sandy claws and then oogie boogie's song itself um when jack has to rescue um sally uh you know i i he was my favorite part he just put a big old <laughs> smile on my face like i really yeah. enjoyed him uh tommy so for you sally as like a character 
It was created by Dr. the mad scientist, Dr. Finkelstein, and it's kind of wasn't said out loud that she was like made to be his like house slave, but like that's kind of the interpretation I got there. Um, but she's a little always, creepy. Yeah. I mean, I think Catherine O'Hara was incredible in the yeah. performance right there. She, um, she was just, yeah, so fucking charming in the role, charming um, and carried a lot of soul in the role. Uh, for, yeah, for this movie, um, kind of being the, the voice of reason for the audience. Um, she has the vision when she's picking the flowers of Christmas blowing up in their face if jack goes through with it and you know jack obviously won't listen and then she casts the fog spell right to try to dismiss him and then the the dog has the the nose which was a nice touch to rudolph uh mm. oh perfect you'll be able to get through there um and then i i loved the sequence of him running through the world and dropping off the presents and scaring all the kids and then the cop coming in with the um you know like oh this is the second report we've got today of of haunted christmas gifts um <laughs> it's it's very uh it's got it's like it's got like the anti-grinch thing um and it's it's because jack's intention is pure like he wants to provide a nice christmas but he only knows how to do it in the way that he knows so that that's the thing that like I've I've been wondering when I was uh, rewatching this movie this time is like what is the ultimate message of this movie is it just like embrace what you're good at and don't find try and fucking branch out because <laughs> that's what I, it felt like I I don't know if this movie ultimately has like a, that clear of a message I I think it's you know I think it was m- much more of like a style like the style and the the craftsmanship behind the animation itself. I think is what makes this movie so like resonate with people and like the the classic songs. I didn't think the movie really had like a message at the end. I, of it. I, I, I've seen something. I just googled this to um, see if I was a jackass or not. But apparently, uh, one article said at the top of Google, the moral of the story is that even if one fails at a great quest, the effort is still worth it. Yeah, that sounds like a nice theme there. I guess to to kind of uh, put into it. <laughs> But yeah, like, but I, for, I for for me watching it, I was literally just like, is for like a four saying, year old watching hey, this, kid, you're not going to come away with that message of the movie. No. <laughs> I was literally thinking, it was just like, hey, fucking goth kid, be goth in your goddamn goth corner in Halloween Town. Don't try and be fucking Christmas because you can't fuck with Christmas, Jack Skellington. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you got to put a positive spin on a Disney movie, um, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know i i think we should just touch on like the 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 animation um uh, like the way in terms of characters the um, character design like i love every the character. background character is amazing like we yeah. uh this is a great movie to rewatch because just you see especially like during the halloween town i've seen all the different creepy monsters and stuff like that of like you know the different vampires the fucking werewolves the um just the three lockstock kids or like the kid at the same cause kids yeah all of them are just such great creature designs was there like one that you had a specific favorite other than ogie boogie i really <laughs> like the mayor um like yeah him having the two faces that turned around like i got mm. like the the faintest hints of like the mayor from jaws vibes from him although he ultimately just didn't have that big of a role in the movie but just like the tiniest little hints of it at the beginning i was like oh is this guy is this guy gonna be that that guy that like causes because like i didn't know where the movie was going um and i didn't yeah. realize that jack was going to really be the driving force of it um but it ultimately shows like his obsession um and his like determination to to try something new um which is admirable 
feat for a character. And even though he ultimately doesn't succeed, he does give the world a good Christmas because, you know, Santa, Santa, Santa Claus yeah. uh, is is capable of, of doing great things and providing all the boys and girls in the world a, a wonderful Christmas. Um, I really wasn't expecting the scene of like the military shooting him down <laughs> and then like the gut, like the big guns. I was like, oh, damn. All right, here we go. Like, that's, why, and that's why this wasn't a Disney movie originally. Probably. It's like, and it's like Jack, Jack's like, "Oh, Merry Christmas!" They're shooting at us to celebrate, and it's like, "No, no, no!" They're, they're, wait, they're, they're shooting at us. And like when he ultimately like realizes he, he kind of failed, uh, and you know, Sally kind of comforting him towards the end, and him going over to her and like realizing they had a really nice friendship there, and that Sally her actions were ultimately to try to to help uh to help jack and and prevent him from from that failure mm. uh, but sometimes you do have to try at something to know that it doesn't work and yeah now we know that halloween people should not make christmas stuff yeah yeah you gotta stick to your popcorn like i said uh so was there a favorite song of yours oogie boogie song i just that was so menacing like i yeah it, it, it wow. was the perfect level right there it was the perfect um, level and like just the set design in the basement with the robots yeah. with the gun and the swirly the swirly merry-go-round with the knives on it the casino like, thing and the neon lights and stuff yeah. like that it was just all a great set piece right there and you have to imagine like you know when we're talking about claymation like how long it took like 70 seconds a week just the amount of effort that just went to just that scene alone is incredible to think about <laughs> Yeah, and just you see it throughout the whole movie. Like this is really a movie that is a labor of love ultimately. Um, and it really shines through. And I think it's the big part of the reason that this movie, not that it's a cult film, but like has this cultish following to it and is such a recognizable, iconic uh film of, of the United and States and it's Disney's crazy. Catalog. It's only because of Tim Burton's influence that this movie has not been whored out to death. Because like apparently, Disney has wanted to make sequels over the year uh, years of like, oh, what if it's like you know they go into Thanksgiving Town now? That's a sequel, or like, yeah, what like, you know, what if we do the sequel? What if we make it like you know uh, CGI? And Harry Sock was like, ugh. that defeats the purpose of this franchise. Like, yeah, if you, it defeats if you do the purpose that. of the franchise, and like they ultimately learned their lesson. Like it would be really cool to see them actually prepping out Halloween and like executing it. If you were going to go into a sequel, right? Like stick it strictly to Halloween. There's a um, interview recently of Tim Burton where he said straight up, just like, I want no sequels that are remade for this movie. I think it's its own pure thing. Keep it that way. Make it that way. And you have to respect the balls. I mean, cause like, you know, I've been to like a Tim Burton bar in New York city when, and you go in there, one of the one of the things that they have there is in prominence is fucking Jack Skellington and most of the things from this movie. You know, he could easily just whore himself out and make that. I mean, I know he's making Beetlejuice too, but that movie movie feels like it could lend to a sequel more than this. But Tim Tim Burton's second half of his career has been questionable yeah, to, say yeah. the, to say the least. So we'll, yeah. we'll reserve judgment on Beetlejuice too until it comes out. Yeah. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. All right, Tommy, who is the star of the movie? Who gave the best performance? Uh, I think overall, I mean, like, I know it's technically a dual performance, 
but Chris Sarandon and Danny Elfman um, as Jack Skellington. Um, just incredible, just a fun, wacky character. Um, and just drives so many different levels of this movie between like, you know, the heart, the message, you know, the goofiness. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> they gave a great performance, but I really do want to shout out Maureen O'Hara. I thought she brought so much Catherine. person out. Catherine O'Hara uh, brought so much charm and personality to, to this movie. Uh, I really loved her as Sally. I thought it was a terrific performance as well, but how can you not give it to Jack Skellington? How, you know, I just think he's the most iconic part of the movie. Um, and it's very easy on my first watch to see why he's so beloved by millions of people. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. All right, Tommy. Would the Nightmare Before Christmas work as a Muppet adaptation? I think this one is work. It's more interesting. Well, I I had uh, two thoughts real quick. Is this the first kids movie we ever really watched uh, covered on the pod? I mean, Home Alone 2, I guess. That's like an adult Christmas kids movie. You know, Um, I feel like it's kind of Goonies, I guess, is a kids movie. But like all these 80s, 90s, they don't feel like kids movies. This is our first one where it's like G, you know, like this is a G movie, like really catered towards children. This is PG, but still. still Is it PG? This is PG. This feels PG. No. Fair enough. This um, PG apparently Roger uh, Roger Ebert's review, which I read earlier today, was like cautioning some people. It's like, yeah, this might be scarier for your younger kids. But, um, but anyways, um, this would fit very great within the world of Muppets. I mean, literally, you just put the Muppet pastiche. Uh, I mean, you know, they did Muppets Haunted Mansion. This is not that far off from that. Um, you know, you could just leave, have Kermit as Jack Skellington. And yeah, I'd go from there. <laughs> yeah, I think you could just go from there. Um, it would be kind of cool to see the Muppets in a claymation style versus like their typical puppet style. I think that would be like a cool different mm-hmm. direction that you could take the Muppets into. Um, so this is one that I'm kind of surprised that they haven't attempted to mm-hmm. do, at least in even like a bad CG style. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're better off that this is just from here. Would you would go to the whole franchise night before Christmas? It's been what, like Kingdom Hearts 2, which I don't know. I don't know if you ever played that one. No. No. <laughs> Not Kingdom Hearts guy, probably a little better. Um, and then like I'm, I think there was like like a sequel game that was just like on the PlayStation that was just like, oh, never for Christmas 2, Oogie Boogie's Revenge. And that was the game, but it wasn't a movie. And I think it's better that it keep it, it keeps this way. Yeah, I think there's something to this the the aura and sentimentality to this movie of it just kind of being a standalone and not being bogged down by sequels and by all these different video games and like tv spinoffs on disney plus now right like 15 minute shorts of jack skellington six episodes of him setting up Apollo. right they don't do any of that yeah. um and i think it just it kind of gives it this this stature of, of being revered um, you know something that a lot of franchises I feel like used to have and mm. once they've been bogged down and become yearly franchises with new things every single year uh, it kind of loses that special feeling to it like that I feel like the original Star Wars and even the prequels to an extent used to have that they no longer carry because it's just been so weighted down and the market's been oversaturated with with that kind of product mm. 
the, we got to keep some things a little bit sacred. Yeah, as, much, as much as much as we can. Uh, so review yeah. time, Tommy. Give me your score out of five. I think this is a very stunning work of animation that still holds up a lot. I mean, you look at some movies uh, like where technical standpoints in animation, like Toy Story, for example, um, 30 years later. Movie is still amazing because of the story. But the animation it, itself, it looks rubbery. <laughs> it looks rubbery. It, that does not hold up. But, you know, that's going to be a classic because they put effort in the story. But I mean, like in terms of just like, the animation alone, Nightmare Before Christmas is incredible. Like one of the best animated movies and just in that aspect. But the story still holds up. This became an immediate Christmas classic and it works between the months of October through December. I mean, they timed that out perfectly. It's like, we just got a hold for like a few months right there, and we got all the holidays. But, you know, I think this is a very enduring story, and all the performances are great, and this is just a world that's just so much fun to revisit all the time. I'm going to go 4.5 out of 5. Um, always great watching this. Yeah, I'm going to go 4 out of 5 here. You know, the artsman, the craftsmanship, the arts... Uh, you know behind the animation is really what I think drives this movie you know with with beautiful songs and great um, voice acting performances as well Um, carrying it home I you know I think this is one that I think would grow on me as I watch it more and kind of introduce it into my holiday cycle as I continue on and on throughout the years but for me right now four to five I feel like being able to rewatch it again and kind of get more of the detail of it and letting me soak up more of the world now that I know where the story is going will maybe allow me to appreciate the movie more as I go along though mm-hmm. so that's that's a wrap for our 2023 season uh Tommy you know we're gonna be coming back with our uh we'll figure out our January schedule uh, <laughs> going into season three of haven't yeah. seen it uh so we want to give a big heartfelt thank you all for listening we really appreciate the support throughout the years continue to work on making the podcast better um definitely going to have some big fun movies for us coming into the new year uh tommy do you have anything else you'd like to say to the audience yeah i mean thank you guys so much for uh you know listening throughout the uh throughout the last two years it's been great doing this podcast we've been able to cover some amazing movies and just it's been really fun so we appreciate it and shout out to everyone who's ever guested on the podcast. You know, we, we appreciate it too. It's been fun having friends and new people on the podcast. So definitely. Yeah. Uh so look forward to an exciting 2023 season, you know, maybe a Godfather part three. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we got finished the trilogy. Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusade. Are you I gonna feel... be watching Dune 2? Is that is that uh, coming up on oh, the schedule? I, can, <laughs> I might have to no. But what we are doing, Tommy, Lord of the Rings. We're doing at least the Fellowship of the Ring. Where you've only we're, seen we're, the extended. You've only seen the extended cuts, which is an entirely it does, different movie. It does count. It doesn't um, count. Well, so it counts as a new one when you're watching the theatrical <laughs> release, which is a much better movie than the extended cuts. All right, that's I may fair. Say but so yeah. myself. Yeah, but you know, thank you guys, literally, so much for listening. Um, you can follow us on social media. That's at Seen It Pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram tiktok and occasionally threads and uh, i don't know follow me on letterboxd at tt squared 77 and yeah so um also leave us a five-star review apple spotify wherever you get your podcast helps us out helps grow the show here's hoping we leave the threads mention uh in 2023 um oh it's thank- not gonna be left in there <laughs> no, thank you so much for listening uh i hope you all have a merry christmas happy new year 
and we'll see you all in 2024.